recording for, for my personal feedback. It's only yes that I look at it, uh, that looks at it, but yes, it's actually good if we record all of them, even if uh, it's not published. And I've got a friend now who can uh, take the student side out so that it's only uh, one person talking and, and shyness is no longer an issue. If the name is not there and the photo is not there, then it doesn't matter. Okay. <clears throat> and so it's actually a good idea to record all of them now. In any case, tell me your feedback. Okay. Um, so the uh, what I took away from our last session was to focus on the three elements of right, right view, right sati, and right effort. Um, and during my and and right attitude essentially is going into the session with this sense of confidence and um, a resolve to uh, fight against these hindrances and have the attitude of the winner. Um, and this actually, um, so I didn't inform you of like the practice I'm doing, but I'm doing a fairly um, so essentially what I'm trying to say is I, I took about a, a 90 minute chunk of time and I spent that time in a sitting practice and paired with this attitude and resolve that I took away and having the right view in mind, I was able to move past the hindrances with a lot more um, clarity uh, of what to do and, and confidence and how to manage them to the point where these hindrances were at a point there was they were just essentially subdued and I remember the third noble truth that you'd mentioned this is uh, suffering is is this isn't suffering or the cessation of the suffering at least that was there when I started um, and the degree of uh, what I in my words uh, access concentration I'm not sure what specific terminology we will use here but essentially the mind was able to become more unified and I was able to, you know, find a lot of joy in the session. And um, that joy is persisting. And I just considered, you know, I have time now. I'm going to extend this meditation period um, by, you know, 30, 40 minutes. And I essentially had um, two hours of a very enjoyable session that. It felt like a it felt like a breakthrough that just because typically I have to try to get to like I'm not just sitting for two hours and I don't just do that for fun or if I were to do it it would be a um, much difficult a lot of difficulty a lot of pushing but I got to the point where I felt content or not content but the suffering and the hindrances weren't there anymore mm -hmm. at least not as there as they used to be and um it was in that space that i felt and you like, like that yes <laughs> i felt i could actually focus and do some effective um investigation um without getting stuck in restlessness and Vayapada will uh the, the common things that I've been working on have been ill will, restlessness, and worry. Mm -hmm. um, but those just dealt with 
Um, and well, the first thing that I would like to say about that is congratulations. Thank you. That you're beginning to practice correctly, and that's difficult for many Westerners. It's hard to get on the right track, especially when we have so many, um, let us say, expositions and uh, uh, tutorials on how to practice that uh, do not include this issue about removing the hindrances. It's sort of like their practice would be um, wake up, investigate, and note the suffering and note it and note it and suffer on and go <laughs> deeper and really investigate that stuff. There's got to be a pony in the bottom of that bullshit, yeah. some horse shit someplace. Okay. That's the way that we all kind of think. And because of that, there is that kind of meditation practice and it's very, very slow. And, um, um, difficult. It's difficult because uh, people have the attitude that it's difficult. It's yeah. okay if it's slow, but they don't like it slow. And so they think that it's both slow and difficult. <coughs> but as you're beginning to understand, oh no, we have to not wait until that stuff settles down by itself. We've got to actively throw it out. We've got to actively cultivate wholesome thoughts so that um, the, the thoughts that we have actually inter, um, interact with the way we feel. Mm -hmm. This is an important quality. In fact, it's step uh, eight of Anapanasati, and that is to see the connections between the feeling and the thought system, between the mind and the feelings that we actually have been spending our whole lives talking ourselves into feeling bad. Now it's time to talk ourselves into feeling good. Yes. And that the Eightfold Noble Path is designed around that. In fact, when you said three, I was about to say something, but then you added the fourth one on your own. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right attitude. Right attitude. Yeah. That's yeah. what makes the whole thing sing. Is we do have to make a change of attitude. The attitude from this is hard into the attitude of this is a piece of cake. <laughs> from the attitude of, oh, I don't know, into the attitude of easy peasy. <laughs> Got this covered. Yes. An example of that, you've heard this phrase before sometimes, is hold my beer. <laughs> what does that mean? It means, you know, let's stop this right now because I got a job to do and I'm going to take care of it easy. Yeah, I can. I've got this one. I've, I can handle that one. All right. So this is the right attitude that we have. And that right winner's attitude also has the quality of can do. Mm. Being successful, being, in fact, um, a winner to be able to get things done and we know that we can and so much of the eightfold and noble path is really getting this attitude you could also go so far as to say getting your mojo going now here's something really cute and interesting the word mojo is in the poly oh really 
Yeah, <laughs> Mojo was right there when I first saw that. I said, wow, I know what that means. I don't have to lose <laughs> the dictionary to find that out. Wow. <laughs> okay, so we got to get our mojo going. We got to get it up. We got to get uh, the mind bright and sharp so that we know that we can handle things. Mm-hmm. Now, this is something that we practice over and over and over again. And that if we're practicing correctly, then as we do these things, this group of things over and over and over again, it, it winds up an instant later with the mind being sharp and focused, happy, content, uh, relieved that we don't have any problems or worries of the hindrances. Everything is just really so nice. Yeah. You used the word access concentration a while back, and I've heard that term before. In fact, I know exactly where it comes from, and so <laughs> if you don't mind, I'm going to take a meat axe to it. Okay, go for it. All right. The word, first off, that's, that's wrongly translated is the word concentration, because what we're talking about here is not concentration. Mm-hmm. That, in fact... Um, an example would, would be of concentration is, is that uh, one of my friends is a developer. He works for J.P. Morgan in New York, and he is into code. Yes. And he's I got a deadline. Well. Huh? I'm a programmer as well. All right. And so here he is deep in his code, and he's looking at it, and Dad comes in to say good night. And Willie doesn't even change his face at all. He's just there in the keyboard. Dad slams the door and goes off unhappy. Why? Because Willie did not pay proper respect to his father. And so I I pointed out that, wait a minute, really what's going on is, is that you should be seeing your dad now as the Zen master, a real Zen master. And he walks in, and you're over your keyboard looking at code and not paying attention to him. He's going to whack you with his end stick. That's what the whole point about it is, is that you've got to be um, alert and awake, which means if you are asleep in your code, to wake up into your senses to see what's going on around us. And yet many people in meditation, they think of concentration as a good thing to where Willie was fully concentrated in what he was doing, much to the unhappiness of his father. Mm. All right, we are not looking for concentration. Sorry, we're looking for samadhi. Okay. And samadhi does not translate very well to concentration. Mm. What the word samati means in Nepali is to gather together the factors. An example of that is the uh, uh, American, the Native American teepee. Okay. Do you know a teepee? Yes. Okay, and it's got uh, six or eight or ten ridge poles, long, thin pieces of wood about twenty feet long, and they're tied together. Mm-hmm. Not at exactly at one end, but uh, fairly close to one end. Yep. And because they're tied together, that gives stability to the tent. If those ridge poles were just lean to each other, the whole thing would fall down. 
but because they're tied together, that's a samati. One pole or even a whole uh, group of poles laying in a pile does not a TP make. You have to have that samati point to keep those ridge poles rigid at the top. Another example is a yurt. Do you know what a yurt is? No, I do not. From Mongolia. It's the tents they use in Mongolia. There they have a center ridge pole, but then all of the side poles go up to that apex at the top. That many, many buildings will have a samati, but most buildings don't. The Capitol building has a samati. Most watts in Thailand have a samati. There's one point on the building that's higher than all of the other points, and all of the rest of the building collects together that way. Mm. The top ridge pole, okay, and they all fit together like that. This is what we mean by samati. And in a way, it's exactly opposite to concentration. Okay. Do you know the word? Um, uh, you've, you've probably heard the concept of frozen concentrated orange juice. Yeah. Huh? You yes. know about it, huh? Yeah. Probably haven't seen it in years. They don't advertise it much on TV anymore. They've got their, um, uh, their consumer base. But yeah, it's I, out there. I've, seen, I've had it okay. when I was a kid, yeah. Can you drink frozen concentrated orange juice? Not without freezing it. Not without putting in the ingredient that they took out. When they concentrated, they took something very important out of it. Uh, the water. The water. Yep. And you got to put the water back into it. Otherwise, you've got, uh, what, a frozen lollipop or something that is too sweet and too orangey to drink or to mm-hmm. uh, use. No, you got to put the water back into it. So... Frozen concentrated orange juice that is samati means we put the water back in it. Mm-hmm. But when it's just concentrated, that means that it doesn't have all of the ingredients that it needs. So much for the word concentration, and believe me, it took me years to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And then I find out, hey, a lot <laughs> of people know that. <laughs> Tell you took you too long to figure that out. So it's good for the students to figure that out right away, that samati does not mean concentration. Uh, Sama area samati does not mean right noble concentration. It means right noble unification of the mind to -hmm. where the mind is unified because it's got all of the factors together just like that teepee can stand in the wind because the ridge poles are tied together at the top. There's a samati there. Okay. Okay. And mm-hmm. yet access concentration is exactly saying that there ain't no concentration mm-hmm. and there's no samati. Okay. Access concentration is what you have when you've gotten an ordinary mind. Okay. Is Except... It- the point that they're making is, is that it, that ordinary mind is capable of becoming samadhi quickly. Why? Because you're in the access or you're in the vicinity. Like at the doorway. Uh, okay. But there's a better way of looking at it. And that is this, that what we're actually doing is we're developing two skills. Okay. And though each one of these skills is different, 
but it requires each one of them all of the other skills that we've been developing, okay? And so this first skill is the skill of getting the mind into first jhana easily and quickly, okay? Basically what it means is access concentration is as soon as you remember to pay attention and look at what's going on uh, happily and joyfully, you do pay attention to what's going on joyfully and happily. It just came, bang, there you are. Mm-hmm. That's going to take a while to develop. Mm-hmm. But you, it always starts with sati because if you don't remember to wake up, you're not going to wake up. Okay. Wake up and see what's going on and to uh, gladden the mind and to get your uh, feelings into a state of sukha and pity and get the breathing going so that the mind really is fit for work. Mm-hmm. So the experience, you know, I appreciate the insight you have on determining was this the J was this J1, J2? um sort of the experience that i had i want to say it was a new experience but i don't want to quite say oh this is for sure j1 or this is for sure um so the description of that state um how do you determine that you have reached the the first jhana what would you say the the best uh because you're satisfied with what you have. Okay. If you don't like what you've got and you want something more, then you're not in that state. Okay. How do I know I'm in that state? It's because I'm satisfied. This is good. I like it. Got enough. Thank you. Don't need anything else. Okay. Is this like a satisfaction and the sense of the form like i know that there's the the form right this is the form the satisfaction in just there's no necessarily sensual desire there's no hatred there's no um oh i want to increase this it's just the sort of the experience of i guess pity um and enjoying that and stabilizing there. You can look at, in fact, the important point is freedom from the hindrances. Okay. Okay. Now, basically what we mean by freedom from the hindrances is to be free from any and everything that will uh, keep us in a state that's not completely satisfied. Okay. That's a really easy definition. Right? Anything that hinders you from being satisfied is a hindrance. Okay. All right. And our uh, one of the intermediate goals, or in fact, you could go so far as to say the actual, if we're going to set goals, the first goal will be that when I have the confidence that no matter how obstructed the mind gets, I can come back to a state of satisfaction. I know this. Okay. Now, no matter how um, obstructed the mind is, I can clean it out and come to the here now 
and see what's really going on. Okay. This is actually, I'm quoting a sutta. Okay. Sutta number 48. This is the first knowledge of the noble path. The first step of the noble path that is um, super mundane. It is uh, noble. It's a factor of the path. And it is not shared by ordinary people. Okay. The super Just mundane. Like for you. The super mundane. And uh, let's talk about super mundane a little bit later. Let's go for okay. that this is not held by ordinary people. Okay. Everybody that you'll meet, ordinary people, will have the idea that things are heavy, this is too much, uh, that's hard for me, I can't handle it, uh, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I'm upset. All of those various feelings, you see, when we're free from hindrances, we're free from that. And they're right, not yeah. even free from it. So how could they have the attitude that, hey, it doesn't matter what comes up. I can throw that stuff out and come back to a state of joyful acceptance. Or not acceptance, but satisfaction. There's a difference between acceptance and satisfaction. Mm. Yes, the sir. acceptance is you don't quite accept it, but you have to. You'll tolerate it. <laughs> No, we're talking about complete satisfaction. This is good to go. I'm I'm quite happy. Yeah, it's quite an exceptional uh, thing to be able to do, especially here in the West. Um, right, because our whole society has taught us how to be unhappy, yeah. to, gra to grasp, to clean, to strive, to want, to get better. Climb that social ladder. You ain't good <laughs> enough. Yeah. Keeps okay. the economy going. <laughs> yeah, but who needs an economy? I don't think it should. I... Yeah, I don't. I'm, I, I think the only people who really want an economy are the ones who are wealthy and super greedy. Yes, greedy to the point that they'll hurt anyone, including many thousands or even millions of people. They're, it's okay for them to starve so long as I've got eight or nine digits in my account. Yep. Not, not the count number, but the account balance. Got to have nine digits. And if I don't have nine, then I got to go hurt somebody. <laughs> you yeah. know how that is. That's capitalism. Yeah. Okay. Um, and capitalism, in fact, is wrapped up quite deeply with religion. Okay. Why? Because religion also teaches us to want things. Okay. Your sin's original, bud. <laughs> yeah, you can't it. get out of it. It's an unfortunate predicament. Yeah, you, you need our super duper magic Jesus at five ninety five <laughs> down payment and uh, easy monthly payments. All right? But you pay us, okay. In fact, I would go so far as to say the grab. I talk about the grab sometimes. The grab. What is the grab? That's the parts of society that keep us in the state of dissatisfaction. Okay. The government, yeah. religion education the whole show and business mm. big business is the big is the big bugaboo why because what's business going to do if they can't sell you anything they'll die yeah they'll die so their survival 
means that they've got to keep people in the state of unhappiness so that they'll want to buy what the business has to sell. But the same thing's true with the government. They want your vote. Same thing is true with your uh, education. They want you to take their test. And it's really doubly true with religion. And so those big four actually keep us in a great deal of dissatisfaction. And we store all of that up in our mind in the level that we would call um, rights, rules, rituals, how to do things, what we're supposed to do, mm. etc., like that. Uh, in the Pali, the word is sila bhata paramasa. It's, yes. one of the, it's, one of, it's the second fetter that we have to get rid of. Mm. All right. And how do we get rid of those fetters? We'll talk about a little bit later. But right now we can see that um, <clears throat> the fetters or the deep underlying tendencies or our instincts is the basis by which the hindrances arise in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so our job really is just to keep cutting these hindrances and cutting them again when they arise. And when they arise, out they go. Did you say that uh, you said the hindrances are the, the way in which these fetters arise? Is this what you just said? All right, let's talk about the hindrances then for a little bit. The sin, the, they say five, Pach Nirvana. The, the five hindrances are the five things that, uh, that if any one of them are there will prevent us from being in a state of um, complete satisfaction. Okay. One of them is actually in this moment wanting something that we don't have. One of the little uh, stories that are often told in the um, Vipassana retreats is about the Vipassana romance. Have you ever heard the story of the Vipassana romance? No, it sounds sounds riveting. (laughs) Well, they go all into the room and sit down there, and this dude who is practicing Vipassana, he looks over and he sees a female, and he likes what he sees, and he wants her. Okay, and so the whole rest of his Vipassana retreat, he's thinking about how he's going to introduce himself and what he's going to say and where he's going to take her and all (laughs) of this romantic stuff he's got in his mind. And so he's waiting for the last day when people can start to speak again. And as soon as the the timing is out uh, and it's after nine o'clock or the ritual is done or whatever and he's free now to talk, and she's gone already. She left early. Uh, <laughs> that's life, <And> that, right? <laughs> pardon? That's life. Well, that's the Vipassana romance. The problem is, is not that she left. The problem is, is that he was burning and spending his mind and wasted his time when he could have been sitting there in the happiness the whole time without wanting her. Yes. So you can see there, wanting her, the Vipassana romance, is actually a hindrance to good practice. Yeah. I mean, he could have also just not wanted her and then just have asked, regardless of whether he, the, the desire was there. Well, right now we have right. to learn to throw that stuff out of the mind. Hey. Later we'll understand the roots of it and why it's there. Most specifically, we can understand that if we have wisdom, then we can say... I like her. 
Mm-hmm. I could I can actually use the label, she's drop dead gorgeous. <laughs> but the drop dead gorgeous is something that I've added in my own mind. The fact is, is that I saw her and I liked it. Mm-hmm. And because I'm stupid and not doing my meditation and having no Vipassana, because I like it, I want it. Mm-hmm. But if we were wise, we could say, yes, I like her, but I don't want her. Mm-hmm. Not now. Now I'm going to be sitting and doing Vipassana. That's why I came to this retreat. spent $2,000 to come practice Vipassana, and I wasted the whole time because I saw some girl I liked and wanted. <laughs> uh, so that's a hindrance and that hindrance can reoccur and reoccur and reoccur and reoccur to the point that the mind is uh kind of rotating around it you could call it worrying in fact the two words in the poly that come out to be restlessness and worry work together in the following way restlessness means that the mind is just jumping and jumping and jumping all over the place yeah and worry means that it keeps jumping in this one little area the whole time I'm okay. worried about something, right? That's that's so, a good way to yeah. That helps me think about the relationship uh-huh. between those. And two. so restlessness and worry, or having the mind that is not focused on what we're doing, is a hindrance. And so we need to learn how to focus the mind, and we could actually go so far as to call it tethering, to tether the mind, to okay. tie the mind, or to anchor it. Mm-hmm. Okay, Okay. and so we use the breath for that, to tie down the mind, to anchor the mind, just like that you would if you were going to um, tame a wild tusker elephant, the first thing that they do is to tie that elephant down. Yep. They'll either tie him by the neck, which is probably not the right way to do it, but I've seen it in the sutras that way. Normally they tie, especially real real live elephants right here in Thailand, how do they tether them? The left hind leg is how they tether them. Okay. But the point is, is that the elephant, in order to be trained in any way or to become a king's elephant, uh, a king's tusker, has to, in fact, be tied down so that the wandering roamingness gets out of the, uh, the elephant's mind and that the mind and that the elephant begins to like the food that is brought to him if the if the uh, elephant trainer can get this wild elephant to start eating the food that he brings it then he knows that elephant will survive many wild elephants they won't eat the food that they're brought they want something out there and so they'll keep pulling and tugging and pulling and tugging until they finally get themselves free but then the, uh, uh, the trainer will go and grab that elephant, bring him back and tie him back down and try to feed him this grass and this uh, fodder and to give him this water. Mm-hmm. Okay, So this is the way that we want to practice our meditation is, is that I don't need or want that girl that I saw that I can get the fodder and the delicious grass I need right here in my own mind. <clears throat> and so it's okay that I stayed tethered here to the breath. Mm-hmm. Now, when I say tethered to the breath, that's just the beginning. Basically, what we're actually tethering ourselves to is this present moment. We're attaching ourselves to right now. Okay. 
all right? Because when I'm thinking about that girl, I'm not thinking about who and what she is right now. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do with her. <laughs> yeah. Right. Off into the future again. Off we go. Chasing something we don't have, making ourselves miserable. That mm -hmm. in fact, wanting something we don't have is suffering. Yes. Yeah. So in meditation, a lot of people are doing meditation because they want enlightenment. They want something they don't have. And so they said in meditation, suffering. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between wanting that girl or wanting enlightenment? Both of them are equally elusive. Mm. They both create the sense of lack. Pardon? They both create a sense of lack. Mm-hmm. If I want it... Then that means that I'm not good enough without it. I want it, I need it. So, in fact, in Paticca Samuppada terms, that means that I like it, uh, Vedana turns into I want it, Tanha, or thirst, into I need it, which is Upadana. That's clinging. Upadana. Upadana. So, Tanha well, is thirst. Evolve. I want it. I want it. Tanha evolves into Upadana? Upadana follows Tanha. Mm. Okay. I like it. I want it. I got to have it. <laughs> okay. So look at this in this regard. Okay. I like it. I want it. I got to have it. Okay. All, all right? of that is, all of that is, is Dukkha. It's all, it all is an origin for Dukkha. Uh, it, and so you could almost say like Tanha is like little Dukkha, Upadana is like big Dukkha. Or... Uh, no, let's call it a sequence of events. Okay. Because actually the power or the strength of it comes from the way it impacted you. Okay. In other words, you could see that girl in one context, like maybe her hair is messed up, no makeup, uh, regular kind of actual, just ordinary human female. Nice people, but I don't want them. As opposed to one who was all dolled up, spending $15 worth of makeup right there on her face. It's all packed in there. Yeah. And boy, is she dropped dead gorgeous because she intended to be. Now, it's not just a, I see it and I like it a little bit, but now I really like it. Why? Because I was really impacted. Now she's dropped dead gorgeous. But mm -hmm. wisdom will say... I really, really like that makeup. Maybe I should go buy my own jar of Maybelline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you can, we don't. No, we're completely ignorant. We think that the girl made up is the girl. That's interesting. Yeah, it's it's a it's a type of illusion. It's um. Mm -hmm. So we go into a delusional state when we want something like that. We avoid the uh, anything that could create or any we avoid anything that could interfere with that fantasy like if someone's like um oh but she's wearing makeup we'll take that thought and reject it and go, no don't don't ruin my fantasy sort of that's how i see that uh when we see an object we only focus on what's interesting to us okay that's in other words we yeah. take delight in it. Yeah. We become curious and interested in it. Mm -hmm. 
because we want it. Yeah. All right. And when we want it and we keep doing that, then we and this can happen very quickly. It goes from my liking to I really want it. I really got to have it. <clears throat> All right. So let's get back to beginning meditation practice rather than going off into the deeper levels of Paticca Samapada. We'll do that at another time. Okay. Let's go back to because uh, we're actually just talking about just the, one of the hindrances. Mm. So another hindrance would be putting up with something that I don't like. I've got, in fact, unhappy or ill will feelings towards an itch. Mm. Okay. And if I uh, 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 heed that itch ignorantly, then I will scratch it. Mm. Don't bother to wash the hands because it itches now. I don't have time to go wash my hands. In fact, that would be a very much better thing to do. All my leg itches, therefore, I'm going to go wash my hands. That's wisdom. Okay. We don't do that. What's Another the... point of wisdom would be all oh, the, 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 there is an insect bite. Let's put some cream on it. Mm -hmm. That would be wisdom. But we don't. When we're ignorant, what do we do? Instead, we scratch it with our dirty hands. Okay. Possibly making it much worse. Okay. In fact, the, uh, the spectacular, uh, how bad can it get? Boy, does this go downhill in a hurry. I don't remember the guy's name, but it was back in the early part of the uh, 20th century, I think by 1920 or something like that. He was the one who discovered and dug up uh, the, the, uh, the Pharaoh that is known as King Tut. There's even songs yeah. about him, okay? The actual name is Tuknot Amun. And that Tuknot Amun, um, they said, they said, it's important for it, is, is that it, there was a curse. Okay. And they proved that curse true because that guy that we're talking about dug that grave up and within a few months, he was dead. Oh, okay. Okay. Here's what was going on, really, is that while he was digging up King Tut's tomb, he had a mosquito bite on his face. Okay. But he was so excited about getting into that tomb, he wasn't paying attention, and so he kept scratching, and, and he had a beard, too, as they had back in those days. And so he's got this big, big thing that's going on his face that he keeps bugging with, and he's not getting it, and it became infected, and is not taken care of, and he killed it. Wow. Why? Because of lack of mindfulness. You can't say he died of a mosquito bite. No, he died of absolute greed. He wanted that tomb open so badly that he was not taking care of himself in order to do it. I see. Okay? Yeah. So, that's how we mean about scratching. Why do we scratch? It's because not that the leg itches or the mosquito bite itches. It's because we don't like it. Mm -hmm. And we ignorantly will take the hand and go scratch, 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 or scratch, scratch, or whatever like that without paying close attention to what's really going on. And okay. so, uh, and by the way, that gives you a, a huge amount of um, opportunity to practice uh, Anapanasati here in Thailand because we've got lots of mosquitoes. There's, there's plenty here as well. I've been bitten at least 10 times in the last okay. week. 
All right. So with mosquitoes, that's an opportunity to practice, to recognize I don't like it, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Okay. I don't have to. In other words, uh, I, I don't like it, but I don't want to scratch it. Just like I like her, but I don't want her. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the second hindrance. Mm-hmm. The third hindrance we'll, we've mentioned before, which was uh, the mind that's either worried or restless. It won't settle down. And so we want to be able to tie the mind down to something where it does not try to escape. Yeah. And when we can keep the mind focused, that means that we're free from that worry and, uh, and uh, uh, monkey mind. In fact, you can see that the, uh, the restlessness mind, in fact, will become even more restless when we want something. Mm. So when we want that girl in that Vipassana romance scene, the mind is just going all over the place, right? Yeah. But then it also gets stuck on, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. Okay, now the next one, which is quite bothersome for so many students, is the one that we call doubt. Now, I don't know why they put the word skeptical in there, (laughs) but you can leave any time that you see the poly translation of it being skeptical doubt, you can just scratch through that word skeptical because that's not it. But it, because why? Because this kind of doubt that we're talking about is a doubt that's born from free from feeling. Doubt born from feeling. Okay, it's not speculative. It's not mental thinking. It's not a concept of doubt. It's a raw feeling. Oh, okay, I see. And that feeling of not sure. We can take care of that by developing. Uh, right attitude. Uh, mm. I do know. I have looked. And in fact, that investigation and investigation and investigation will inv- uh, uh, lay to rest that kind of doubt because we can see. Most important doubt is, in fact, um, with doubt as a hindrance, it comes in three forms. Okay. The first form is. Who can I get to clean up my mess? Mm. I need help. I'm a victim. And when I was a young child as a victim, my mommy helped me. I need a mommy. Mm -hmm. And that's where the government and the religions and the education and the business will come. Johnny on the spot saying, I've got a solution to your problem. Yeah, that's their job, right? But they don't. Why? Because the real problem is not something that business can do anything about. Mm-hmm. It's not so I can't go to school and learn how to feel good. Mm-hmm. I cannot go and buy something to feel good. I cannot go take a ceremony at some uh, religious institution and expect that to be a cure for feeling bad so that I after that feel good. Nope. And it doesn't matter whether I'm on welfare or um, food stamps or uh, minimum wage or any of that kind of stuff because I'm going to feel bad anyway. So anything that the government does is not 
going to help me to feel better. Okay. Nothing. In fact, this is what the second noble truth is all about. Greed, ill will, and delusion is not greed and ill will and delusion out there. It's greed, ill will, and delusion right here. I made this mess. I'm going to have to clean it up. That's the first layer of doubt. Mm. Is who can I get to solve my problems? The actual correct answer is nobody. Nobody's going to help. We're going to have to do it. We're going to have to get our own skills and our own building materials and build our own safety hut. Yeah. The second layer of doubt. Are you up to the task? Because mm. remember the first time, uh, the first idea I need help, who can I get to help me, is already predicated on the fact that I've already made the decision I can't do it. And so now that we're left with, oh, guess what? If you don't, nobody else will. Now we come to dealing with that doubt in the sense of how can I overcome that doubt? The answer to that is correct practice leads to correct results, which leads to the knowledge of correct results so that we do have the confidence that no matter how much crap I get myself into, I can get myself back out of it. First knowledge. That's that first knowledge. Yeah. That yeah. second layer of doubt. That in fact, there uh, we're not even going to get anywhere near that first knowledge so long as we're out there trying to get a religion or a government to solve my problems for me, or some mommy or some school or or some psychologist or some guru. So long as I'm hoping for somebody else, if I'm praying and wanting someone else to fix me, we don't even get to this stage. But once we get over that and say, I've got to do it myself, now we start to practice, but we still have the doubt. Can I do it or not? Yep. Especially if we put enlightenment way up there in the sky, so far away, you know. How can I possibly get something so far away? The answer is, is not far away. It's far away because you think of the Eightfold Path as a path. The path to enlightenment is way far away, and I've got to tread this path for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when we train, when we change that frame of reference to right this very minute, I have a choice. Am I going to feel bad or am I going to feel good? And if I feel good right now, completely satisfied, everything is hunky-dory, <laughs> then who wants enlightenment? Who wants it? I'm satisfied. I got. When people ask, "Are you enlightened?" I said, "Who wants that?" (laughs) And Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa would answer, "Who or what would want enlightenment? Mm. Who or what is it that can be enlightened anyway? You know." So, so we can think of it also like this: that enlightenment is one state, whatever it is, it's good or whatever it is, and I'm over here and I'm completely satisfied. If I'm completely satisfied and I don't need enlightenment, I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. However, if I'm enlightened, but I'm still not satisfied because I want more enlightenment <laughs> or something, then what good is that? We haven't actually gotten ourselves into a state of satisfaction because we were wanting to be enlightened instead. Mm-hmm. 
So changing that frame of reference, can you get yourself into a state of uh, hunky-dory? Can you get yourself into a state of satisfaction? Sukha, a pleasant state. This is what we practice for, and when we practice correctly, we can get it instantly. Okay. Maybe not, maybe not big package of it, but just a little bit of satisfaction is a whole lot better than none at all. Mm-hmm. And, and this training to get that, the skill of getting into sukha is just a matter of just training, right practice, daily practice, doing the proper um, recognition, having good sati, um, noticing when these hindrances are here and just throwing them out when they arise. And then every time you do that, this is leading to a better, better skill and this. It sounds very simple, right? It's, but is, this, is that the... It is. Yeah. It is simple. When yeah. you have the right attitude, it's simple. When you have yeah, the wrong yeah, attitude, it's hard work. That's, that's the key. It, it sounds like... Um, it feels as if with that missing, you're just going to be spinning your wheels um, without the right attitude. Um, your wheels will be spinning, but you won't be going very far. Um, so that's 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 clearing up a lot for me. Um, okay. Understanding that that bit of it's simple. It's just the attitude has to be adjusted, so you can actually mm-hmm. see the results. And correct practice that leads to correct results that we can see it builds our confidence. And correct as our practice. confidence builds up, that's the attitude also. The confidence, I can do this, is the attitude of the winner. Mm. And the Pali word for that, by the way, is shraddha. And the word shraddha is often translated as faith. This is not faith. Shraddha. This is observation. This is, I can do this because I just did it. Yeah. Is this the, is it spelled like S-A-D-D-H-A? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I saw it. I saw it somewhere, and I was just making that connection. But I, I would I, say if I were going to Google it, I'd start with H H R A D A. S H R A D. Okay. He's probably got an H or two in there someplace. Yeah, there's usually H's thrown after every consonant. <laughs> yeah. uh. Okay, so uh, the third kind of doubt comes later. After we get this, after, in fact, we get the mind completely fixed for work, which would be step two, or the second knowledge, comes the third knowledge, which is delving deep into the Dhamma. Mm -hmm. The Dhamma itself is wholesome. So if you're thinking of Dhamma, you've already got the mind clean, free from hindrances because you're thinking of Dhamma, because it's wholesome. Mm -hmm. Interesting, huh? All right, if we are in fact contemplating and thinking of the Dhamma and getting the great benefit out of it and recognizing that in fact we can be free from suffering by thinking about the Dhamma, by reflecting upon it, by understanding and seeing what is the third noble truth, and I can get into the third noble truth and recognize that I'm in the third noble truth. Wow, I'm free from suffering right now. Wow. Okay. Then that third knowledge is the final eradication of all doubt. Why? Because first, 
who we're going to get to do it for us. Number two, we've got to do it ourselves. And number three, and I've got all of the right tools. Mm-hmm. So we've got the tools and the skill. And with the tools and the skill, all we need is the materials, and the material is the here now. Or the materials are the hindrances, and so we're good to go. That is the full eradication of doubt, is when we know for absolutely sure that the dispensation and the teachings of the Buddha works. This is, um, this is the first stage, correct? The first path? Pardon? Uh, this is actually the state of Sotapan, and yes, and we will get into the, the eradication of the hindrances. And in fact, the third fetter is doubt mm. about what is and is what is not the path. The second fetter is rites, rules, and rituals, how things ought to be, etc., like that, and we're going to give ourselves a new set of rules. Mm-hmm. Three words for the entire rule list. <laughs> the IRS, they say, has 80,000 pages of rules. Okay, that's too many. Right. <laughs> it's that's just the IRS, and that's only one agency, okay? 80,000 pages of rules, and I imagine a lot of cities have at least that number of rules for city ordinances. Mm. Okay, about how big the verge is and zoning and just rules up the nose, all right? And we're going to throw everything out and get a new rule. Mm. What is our new rule, our one rule? Dukkha, Dukkha Naroda, which is unpacked as, or when packed up, when it's unpacked, it's the entire dispensation of the Buddha. That becomes our new rule. Mm. Okay, and so that means the first fetter is Who am I? And we'll talk more about these fetters at a later time. But right now, we've talked about the hindrance of the the doubt, Mm -hmm. as opposed to the fetter of doubt. Mm -hmm. But as we deal with the fetter of doubt, naturally, the hindrance of doubt is not ever going to rise anymore. Mm -hmm. Because we've finished off with our doubt. We know we've got the right way. We know we've got the, uh, the, the mojo, the attitude, the tools. We can live our lives happily. <laughs> Your choice. So, okay. just, to, uh, just to go over again, the three doubts is the first is, um, I can't do this. Um, this is the first doubt. The second doubt is, I'm not sure I, can, I, I'm not sure I have the ability to do this. And mm-hmm. then the third doubt is the doubt of the, the Dhamma itself. Right. Do I have the tools to do it? Yeah. Okay. Can I do it? And do I have the tools? Okay. Well, we've already started with the tools, but later we'll really delve into the tools. Okay. We'll really look at the Four Noble Truths. We'll really, really dig into that second Noble Truth to see what the source of suffering is so that we can understand it. Okay. So let's finish off then by talking about the fifth fetter. Okay. The fifth fetter is um, use, uses generally very, very ancient Christian language. Hmm. And I'm not talking about 100 years ago. I'm talking about 300 years ago. Okay. And that is sloth and torpor. Do you ever use those kind of words? I, no, never. No. Do you use the word tired and sleepy? Yeah. Yep. All right. All the time. All the time. Okay. That's what that third or that last hindrance is, is either tired or sleepy, but they're related. Okay. 
When we get tired, we get sleepy. Where the mind's not fit for work. That can either happen in one of two ways. One is is that the mind is capable right now, but it doesn't have all the ingredients that it needs to be fully functioning. Mm -hmm. And the other possibility is is that the mind actually has something wrong with it. For instance, it's gotten tired or it's ill. Uh, the body chemistry is not good or whatever like that. Okay. And when I say tired, that what I mean is, is that students can in, in sitting practice, uh, can get drowsy or tired right away. But that means that they're probably not breathing well. If they start breathing, if they do Anapanasati and, and energize the body, energize the blood, get the, uh, the body functioning, get the, uh, uh, the oxygen in the blood, then the frontal cortex will have what it needs. Mm. Okay? And so if you get tired, then the way to do that is just to um, uh, start taking some deep breaths. The other possibility is, is that the, the human mind normally has an attention span of about 20 minutes. So it, people have worked that out over the years. That attention span is also can be increased so that people can have a long attention span, but eventually the mind gets tired. Okay. Even if you're up all nighter, you can pull an all nighter doing code, but by sunrise, you're not very good at it anymore. Typically, yeah, it, there's a burnout. Yeah, we get burned out. That will happen in meditation at about 20 to 30, 40 minutes, and students will practice longer, but eventually they'll get tired. When they get tired, they're full of torpor, and then they'll go into what they think is a meditative state. It's not a meditative state, it's just torpor, or it's just tiredness. It's just, yeah. okay, that's a hindrance. And if we can't wake the mind back up, which is pretty hard to do because, I mean, after all, it is tired, then the right thing to do is take a rest. <clears throat> so those are the ways to deal with that, that hindrance, but mostly that hindrance comes because we're not getting enough oxygen and we get tired. The mind is dull, but we can wake it up. One of the ways that we can wake it up is with enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. Enthusiasm, what is that? That's that can-do attitude. Yep. Hey, I can come out of this. Let me take a few deep breaths and I can shake that off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can do that. We can get rid of these hindrances. And when you know that no matter how obstructed the mind gets, even when you're tired or, or sick, you can, get, you can bring the mind back out of that. In fact, yeah. I've experienced that just today because I've been sick. And th this morning I woke up <laughs> somewhere between half dead and more. <laughs> but with the right attitude and the students and calling, and I've got the mind back again. It's working again. Okay. I know because I re at least remembered all five of the hindrances. <laughs> and didn't That's skip a, one. <laughs> That's a good sign. That's a good sign is when you can count to five. All right. So these are the five hindrances. And uh, later we'll talk about them again in, a, in another context. But the important point is like 
by being free from these hindrances, it's like having been sick and now we're well. It's like being in prison and getting out of prison. It's like having a job and now we're unemployed and we don't have anything to do. <laughs> it's like being on a journey and finally coming home and now we don't have to be on a journey. We're not tired and working and, and uh, trying to keep our goods and all of that kind of stuff. And the best analogy is that we're free from debt. We don't owe anybody anything. And I can sit here and just be happy. And I don't owe anybody anything right now. Mm-hmm. I do not have to write any emails. I do not have to answer any phone calls. I don't have to do anything. I could just sit here and, and what, bliss out or something? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, just enjoy, the, enjoy whatever you have to do. Right. And so this is freedom from the hindrances. And access concentration, which is what we started on with this, is the ability to throw out those hindrances and so you can bring the mind into a state that's fit for work. Mm. Makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. It's, um, yeah. The, the skill is what I need to work on. Is yes. The repetitions, the Over and over and over again, like practicing the piano. And one of the things that needs to be practiced is satisfaction. Okay. Keep investigating. Where's my satisfaction? You can yeah. use the word mojo. Am I ready for this? Yes. Okay, this is the kind of language we want to start using. The, the most difficult part is not necessarily the meditation, but moving that as the difficulties of the days uh, I'm sure we could talk about this another time. I know that. Yes, time is let's talk out. about that later. Let's see if yeah. we can get that mojo right now and okay. start to develop that skill. We'll teach. We'll talk about how to take that out to to uh, deal with the world later. Okay. But right now, this is something we're doing only on the inside of the mind. Okay. Perfect. All right. Well, Julian, this has been a delightful conversation. I really enjoyed it. I got my JoJo back. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy you're doing well despite being a little bit sick. I know how that can be, but it's uh, excellent. Thank you. Okay. Well, we'll see you again soon. Okay. Uh, three, four days. Do you usually have a recommendation? Yeah, twice a week, every three or four days, whatever like that. Be sure that you can put together for a couple of three days of what I'm practicing or what we talked about before course, and then yep. call again and take another step. Excellent. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the day. Okay. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye.